Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Cindy Banier with Dr. Cindy Speaks, the Daily Diatribe for January 3rd, 2023. And this podcast is being recorded at 7.38 p.m. It has been a heck of a start to 2023 after we had a lovely New Year's Eve, at least I did, and I hope that you and your family and loved ones did as well. But we are right off to the races here on January 3rd. The big news of the day is, of course, the swearing in of the 118th Congress. And I actually want to get back to that in a moment because we have a couple of other things that are going on here that I want to talk about. So last night, the NFL's Monday Night Football game featuring the Bills and the Bengals was suspended because of a horrific injury that came came after a play by a young man named Damar Hamlin. He suffered a cardiac arrest, we found out, on the field. He collapsed after the play, and he was taken by ambulance after several minutes of CPR to the local hospital, University of Cincinnati. So this is a terrible situation, really hoping that this young man pulls through, that he and his family are lifted up in spirit during this difficult time. A few things have come out from this occurrence. There's a few things that came on. So apparently the NFL did not postpone and eventually suspend and postpone the game for over an hour. So there was still contemplation that the game was going to go on. And this was a very troubling sight for many folks because the players on both teams were kneeling and praying. It took many minutes, apparently eight minutes of CPR before his heart was restarted on the field. And this was just a very terrible situation that clearly shook the players a lot. So that had happened and it took a long time before they actually postponed the game and said it wasn't going to be played. The discussion afterwards was that actually the owners and the NFL wanted to continue the game, but the players union and the coaching staff were the ones that stood up and said that they did not want to continue playing. So few things that have played there. So it was actually very good that there was organized labor within the NFL and the players so that they had their voices be able to have weight in that circumstance. And also just to look at the compassion level between the players and their well-being and the NFL and the owners who are the money-making profiteering components of this. So a really important discussion happening around this incredibly tragic incident. Another thing that comes to my mind about this as well is just thinking about how many young people in this country, especially young black men, use sports as a mode of social mobility and it's a path that they see that is glamorized and is something that people see as a way to escape a potentially low income and impoverished neighborhoods. And it 
really is should hit home to everybody that these young men even though that they are in the NFL and a very small portion of them actually even make it to the NFL that they are literally putting their lives on the line both on a day-to-day basis for something incredibly rare and tragic like this with the cardiac arrest or even long-term with things like the CTE and the brain swelling that leads to erratic behavior and things like that. They need to make all of their money in a very short period of time. So people who are complaining about the high salaries are just out of bounds essentially because if you think about you're going to have to make all of the money that you will ever make for your entire life in two years and 2.5 years, I believe that's the average length of an NFL career. You can start to see how some of these numbers are commensurate in terms of what these young men are doing to their body and their long-term livelihood. So just a few things to think about as we're, we're holding their family in thoughts and prayers today after that tragic accident. But also let's think critically about the institutions in play and the opportunities and what we're really sending to the messages that we're sending to young people when we glamorize sports as a way out. So just things to think about as we are reflecting in that somberness today. So other things that were happening here in the state of Florida include the swearing in of Ron DeSantis as the next and continuing governor of the state of Florida and all of the Republican statewide candidates and the legislature. So yeehaw, Ron DeSantis gave just an absolute, just an absolutely ridiculous speech, throwing around all sorts of crazy talk. But the thing that really stuck out to me was his quote, calling Florida the citadel of freedom. And it is so ridiculous of a thing to say, not only because of the persecution that his administration has done to people who are political opponents to him, people who are not even just political opponents like on the opposite side of the aisle, but like political opponents within his Republican Party, the control that he's had over the Florida legislature, his persecution of the LGBT communities, specifically singling out trans young people and people trans bathroom situation in the schools and the rollback of women. So we are definitely not free. Of course, he is riding on that because we didn't bother to try to protect people from COVID as my my co-host and misinformational herself, Rebecca Jones, has pointed out. And now her life has been turned upside down by Ron DeSantis and his cronies going after her for telling the truth about their COVID disinformation campaigns. So Ron Santis calling Florida the Citadel of Freedom. And I really looked up because I've really only heard Citadel used in terms of militarized things. That's a whole nother thing about bringing this militarized language to the governorship is something we should be concerned about. It, it means a fortress and the protector of freedom. So I just, I have a hard time understanding where these folks are coming from, except for a very cursory and emotional understanding of freedom. And it's really not based on freedom. It's based on loss or their perceived loss, right? So they perceived a loss of freedom during COVID, right? People who are white and middle-class and we who are working in blue-collar jobs perceive loss in terms of their social status to the incoming generation who is much browner and blacker than previous generations. And they are really reacting to these racist dog whistles that are always being put out. And so it's not freedom that Ron DeSantis is poking on here. It's 
loss. And I think that's a really important thing because not only is he poking on and pushing all of these really crazy culture war kind of things, but he's actually losing, providing a space where people like me, women, people in the LGBT community are losing their freedoms and their rights as parents, as individuals. And we are really close to being a full authoritarian state. So there's my whole thing on Ron, my diatribe on Ron DeSantis today. So back to what I started off with here in that is a swearing in the 118th Congress. So there were highs, of course, we saw a Maxwell Frost here from Florida, a the first Gen Z candidate to make it all the way to Congress. So we congratulate him and hopefully that he will be bringing along his progressive agenda and working to make change up on Capitol Hill. But that really wasn't the main story of today. And it was really strange because I don't think I've really ever watched a swearing-in ceremony myself. And that's coming from somebody who's run for Congress and teaches about Congress and works on Capitol Hill. So I, it's not like it's this really hotly watched event, okay? However, today's swearing in ceremony and today's speaker race in particular was very much watched over. And that was part and parcel because you had controversial folks like George Santos get get sworn in. And then you had the speaker election where Kevin McCarthy became the biggest loser in Washington, D.C. today. And he is the first person in 100 years to lose out on an election for speakership. So, of course, the Republicans have a very slim majority here in Congress, and he could apparently have lost only four votes to be able to get the speaker. And by the way, the speaker it's an interesting thing. It usually does go to the leader, the majority leader in the party that has obviously the majority, but it's a majority vote. Okay. So actually everybody in the U.S. House of Representatives votes. So this is not like some of the different things, some of the appointments and the other party leadership stuff where it's only the party. Okay. This is the entire 435 member U.S. House representatives that get to vote. So there's actually some interesting dynamics because people can vote for whomever they want. That actually doesn't even technically have to be somebody who is a current representative. And there are often concessions when there are small majorities to hold on to it. That's something that Nancy Pelosi did in order to secure her speakership in the previous conference. She made a deal with some concessions in the progressive wing of the party, but also to step down after this term, which she did. And so then we saw Hakeem Jeffries be elected the minority leader for the Democrats in Congress. So his name does come up a whole lot today because every single Democrat voted for Hakeem Jeffries. All right. But not every single Republican voted for Kevin McCarthy. And we knew leading up to this that his leadership was embattled. And really, it came at the hands of these really far right, crazy people in his party, one of whom that my, my opponent, Byron Donalds, is part of. And he plays into this today as well. So the Freedom Caucus came out yesterday swinging in the new year talking about how they were going to not let McCarthy have his way. They were pissed off that he was telling them how to vote and, and they 
weren't going to have it. And it was actually today too started with a, a, the press conference on that, that starred, that starred Matt Gates and Lauren Bober among others. And they were talking about how they're just, they're mad and they're not going to take it. <laughs> they're pissed off. They're not going to take it anymore. So yeah. So there was this idea that this was going to happen. So as the votes go in and they were doing, by the way, the entire Congress, the entire 435 members are on the floor at this point in time, all seated because they just got sworn in and now they're doing the elections. And so they went through a roll call um, vote. So each member got to say their thing. So, you know, the Democrats one by one are saying Hakeem Jeffries. The party loyalists on the Republican side are saying Kevin McCarthy. But then come Jim Jordan and some other folks who started saying other folks. So some people were nominating Jim Jordan. And we had a couple other names come up, including Byron Donalds. So Chip Roy in the first round of voting voted for Byron Donalds, which was shocking. He is a second term congressman. He's a relatively new kid on the block. But the fact that he got that shout out was something that everybody was really quite amazed with. And keep in mind, so he is part of the Freedom Caucus. Other members of the Freedom Caucus voted against McCarthy. Byron Donalds, the first round, voted for Kevin McCarthy. Okay. So the vote fails. All right. And so they call another vote and there was some time and they're all moving and shaking. And Jim Jordan is trying to do his thing. And he's trying to get the people who are on his side. He's trying to play nice and be like, oh, I'm going to vote for Kevin McCarthy's whatever that happened. Second vote comes in. Boom. Again, Kevin McCarthy loses. All the Democrats vote for Hakeem Jeffries. The Republicans are all over the freaking place again. So the third vote comes around. Byron Donalds this time does not vote for Kevin McCarthy, making him the only Republican in the third round to switch his vote away from Kevin McCarthy and towards Jim Jordan. And then the other 19 folks who voted against Kevin McCarthy still voted however they voted. Okay. So Byron Donalds was put front and center here, which is very strange, but I knew that he was, I knew that he was going to eventually back Jim Jordan, not only because he's on the freedom caucus, but I know that Jim Jordan is a big donor to Byron's campaign and has been since day one. He was the one that helped to bring in Club for Growth, which is another big pack that's funded by the Uline company with the Dick Uline, the billionaire funding that funding all these January 6th, folks and including Byron Donald. So that if you ever see the Club for Growth, these are really extreme fiscal conservatives on the right and they have to pledge to not add to the budget, okay? And not add to the deficit. So you they you will always see them vote against spending bills, just like you saw Byron Donald's vote. So I knew that he was going to come around to Jim Jordan. I just didn't know what game they were playing. But we do know that Byron Donald's is absolutely playing games because he did run for conference chair. And not only that, but he has his aspirations set. There's been rumors around here in Florida that he wants to run for governor. What kind of shopperoo they're doing here, how they want to do that, if he's just going to spend a couple years in Congress and then bop down over here, if it's going to be contingent on whatever Ron DeSantis does. But I'll tell you what, makes a lot of sense as to why Madison Cawthorn just bought a house here in Cape Coral because he's the next guy that they're going to put up there. They think that they can get him right in. Now, hopefully myself and the other Democrats in the region here are going to have something to say about that. But there is a lot of moving and shaking going on. And the point being, all this malarkey, all this infighting, it's disarray in governance. It has absolutely nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with the egos and the future career track of these individuals. Byron Donalds doesn't give two shits about what happens here in Southwest Florida at all. He's got eyes on other prizes and he does not care what our life 
looks and that's been clear since the very beginning because he's voted for nothing brought no earmarks back it's no go on fox news blah 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 all right so this is all just these posturing moves by these people who have bigger aspirations and are not really servant leaders and it's not the way that governance should be done it's not the way that we should be conducting our affairs in the House of Representatives. And frankly, as much as I love the show of watching the Republicans fight with each other, it's a disgrace to see this political theater being played out so that these members of these far right contingents, and Byron Donalds, by the way, is always the guy that is not talking about this. He's the one that's very spoken going on to the news platforms and just smoothing things over for the Republicans in ways that really nobody else can. He's very adept at it. He's also very adept at playing all sides. So he played Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy, just like here in Florida, he's playing both Don, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. So absolutely an operator, absolutely nothing to do with the people, absolutely has to do with his own aspirations. A very interesting thing out of the gate here in the 118th Congress. So the way that it stands right now, a Kevin McCarthy is a three-time loser for the Speaker of the House here, and they're, they've adjourned for the day, and who knows what the future holds. If they're going to come around, there's going to be concessions. I know that there were concessions that were being required from the Freedom Caucus and the Club for Growth, of which there's a tremendous amount of crossover. But um, So we'll just have to wait and see who's ultimately going to be the Speaker of the House. But be sure to count on corrupt shenanigans coming out of the Republican Party. So that is it for me today. I am Dr. Cindy Banier, and this has been Dr. Cindy Speaks, the Daily Diatribe for January 3rd, 2023. And thanks for joining us here. We got a lot on coming on here with Big Mouth Media in 2023. So make sure you are staying tuned. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her, go to cindybanier.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybanier.com. We love connecting with people.